people care about their car buying journey, provide your customers with an unparalleled chat and digital retailing experience with Goobagoo. Whether your customers are online or in-store, Goobagoo is there. See the magic at Goobagoo.com. That's G-U-B-A-G-O-O.com. Welcome to Daily Drive. Thursday, January 19th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Renault's Alpine brand sees a big opportunity in the U.S. Auto loan rates could grow almost a full percent this year. And we're seeing more and more investments in autonomous trucking. Plus, we hear Jamie's conversation with J.D. Power's Doug Betts about the firm's new EV index which looks at how close electric vehicles are to parity with gasoline burning vehicles on several key issues. Everybody knows how much a gallon of gasoline costs and they know roughly how far you can go on a gallon of gasoline. When it comes to EVs, most people won't know what a kilowatt hour is. They certainly don't know how far they can go on a kilowatt hour and they probably don't know how many kilowatt hours will fit inside of their EV tank. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Alpine CEO Laurent Rossi says the U.S. market will be crucial to the Renault sports car brand's ambitious revenue and sales goals. Alpine has aspirations to sell two models in the U.S., a midsize electric crossover and a larger model starting in 2027 or 2028. Rossi said on a call with journalists yesterday that, quote, The U.S. is the main destination for these cars. Renault Group CEO Luca DiMeo has set a target of about $8.5 billion in revenue for Alpine by 2030. Rossi says that equals annual sales north of $150,000 by then. The brand was restarted under former CEO Carlos Ghosn in 2017 after lying dormant since the mid-1990s. It now sells just one model, the A110 Sports Coupe, which registered about 3,500 sales in 2022. Bank interest rates will grow to 6.9% on direct 60-month new vehicle loans and 7.8% on direct 48-month used vehicle loans over the course of the year. That's according to estimates by Bankrate Chief Financial Analyst Greg McBride. Bankrate estimated the average interest rate on direct auto loans from banks for new vehicles will grow about 0.8 percentage points by the end of 2023, and used vehicle APRs would rise a point. The projections give dealership staff seeking to match customers with indirect auto loans from partner lenders a sense of the APR competition they'll face if those consumers already secure direct financing from banks. According to Edmonds, the average new vehicle interest rate from a dealership loan reached 6.5% in the fourth quarter while the average used vehicle dealership APR reached 10%. Volvo Group has made an investment in Canadian autonomous driving technology company Wabi Innovation. The move represents Volvo's view that the commercialization of autonomous driving will come in freight movement before passenger cars. Volvo Trucks North America, the U.S. division of the Swedish company, already has a partnership with Aurora Innovation and plans to test autonomous trucks on freight routes. The maker of Mack Trucks, as well as Volvo brand heavy vehicles, says fully autonomous trucking would add to freight capacity, increase efficiency through better utilization of expensive Class 8 trucks, and improve safety. The size of the investment was not disclosed. Volvo said it does not represent a material financial event. Other investors include Kosla Ventures and Uber. 
And speaking of innovation and tech in the trucking business, electric truck and charging station company Forum Mobility is teaming up with CBRE Investment Management on a $400 million joint venture. The partnership between Forum and CBRE's investment arm would electrify the infrastructure of California's coastal port communities and small independent truck operators. It's the latest deal involving a major real estate player and an electric or autonomous truck technology company. Last year, real estate firm Altera Property Group inked a deal with San Francisco self-driving company Embark Trucks to build hubs for autonomous trucking. Industrial warehouse giant Prologis signed a similar deal with Waymo last year. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, I would say off, I guess, the record. You and I talk about Renault all the time. And they're finally making a presence in the U.S. market. And I'm right now in Istanbul, Turkey, and I see Renaults all over the place here. What do you make of this? Yeah, this move by Alpine, you know, it's a it's a crowded market here. It's a tough place, but it is a lucrative market. I understand why they'd want to go for it. What's interesting to me is at, we're at this point where Renault and Nissan are kind of renegotiating the terms of their alliance. And the way they've always operated is Nissan and its uh, Infinity brand, you know, got to be the players in North America and Renault politely stayed in Europe and other markets. Now here comes Alpine really coming, you know, right at Infinity. They've got similar technology, new designs, a new brand name. It's a interesting development to say the least. It is very interesting. Uh, coming up, a look at J.D. Power's new EV index and how close the firm thinks electric vehicles are to parity with gasoline-burning cars and trucks. That's next on Daily Drive. People care about their car buying experience, and so do we. Provide your customers with an unparalleled chat and digital retailing experience with Goobagoo. Goobagoo is the leader in conversational commerce for the automotive industry. Our fully managed live messaging services instantly connect consumers to dealers anytime and anywhere through live chat, text, video, and more. Integrated with our fully managed chat, Goobagoo's virtual retailing platform enables consumers to buy cars online directly from the dealership's website through multiple channels. We are constantly improving the retailing experience and currently have over 100 integrations with CRMs, DMSs, and third-party applications. Goobagoo transforms the traditional car buying process into a modern, transparent, and seamless experience. Available 24-7, 365, our highly trained chat specialists are there to help. See it for yourself at goobagoo.com. That's G-U-B-A-G-O-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Electric vehicles nearly match internal combustion vehicles in cost of ownership and the ownership experience. That's according to a new J.D. Power Index gauging the industry's shift to EVs. But wide gaps in four of the six categories measured show there is still a long way to go before the two forms of propulsion are on equal footing. I recently spoke with Doug Betts, president of the automotive division at J.D. Power, about the new index. I reached him in Nashville. Doug Betts, welcome to Daily Drive. Thanks, Jamie. Happy to be here. You and your team have been developing this electric vehicle index, looking at the progress of electric vehicles toward 
parity for consumers with gasoline burning vehicles, you know, in a scale of one to a hundred and the six categories of inputs are interest, availability, adoption, affordability, infrastructure, and experience. I'd like to start with affordability, which I think is really interesting and central to a lot of you know consumers' uh, thought process. Uh, EVs cost more to make than a gasoline-powered car. They cost more to buy. Uh, but you're really looking at the total cost of ownership, including fuel and maintenance. And affordability got a score of 84. I, th- I think that would be surprising to a lot of people. It, maybe it wasn't for you, but uh, I think for a lot of us, it, it was. <laughs> yeah. You know, people are used to comparing a gasoline car to another gasoline car, maybe a diesel, but, you know, they're mostly thinking about monthly payment, the cost of the insurance. You know, you, you consider mileage on the window sticker and know that you're going to pay more if it if it doesn't get as good a mileage. You know, it's really a totally different thing when you think about an electric vehicle. Everybody knows how much a, a gallon of gasoline costs and they, you know, they know roughly how far you can go on a gallon of gasoline. People probably know how much they spend every month on buying gas. When it comes to EVs, most people don't know what a kilowatt hour is. They certainly don't know how far they can go on a kilowatt hour, and they probably don't know how many kilowatt hours will fit inside of their EV tank. So there's a lot of, of mystery there. It's not that complicated, but you know, it's it's complicated enough that we need, we felt like we needed to shine a light on that. So. We've automated all of those calculations so you can really compare and understand how much you're going to be spending on electricity every month versus, you know, how much you would have spent on gasoline if you stuck with that technology. You also have federal and state incentives that, you know, you're going to get most of the time with an EV. Maintenance is lower. You know, they don't need an oil change. There's no oil to be changed. Once we get past the new technology stuff, there's a whole lot less that can go wrong with an EV than there is with a with a gasoline car. Gasoline cars are tremendously more complicated. You know, I, I think that, you know, there, there's one more issue that I would mention because I've had people say, oh, you know, Doug, an EV costs $60,000. How can that be close to parity? Well, EVs have come into the market on the high end, right? So, you know, you don't compare an EV to some base model, you know, get me done sort of a, sort of a vehicle. You compare them against the cars that they, uh, you know, come, come against in terms of the segment and the level of, of equipment and stuff like that. So they're entering in the in an expensive area, which makes it a bit easier for them, you know, for us to compare them and say they're they're close to the same price. Nobody's trying to do an electric Corolla at this point, so uh, no, that's a tougher ball game. But it's interesting that. I mean, a year ago, it was even closer to parity. You mentioned the federal incentives, and of course, uh, just in was it August? Uh, the Inflation Reduction Act was signed and immediately excluded 15 models from federal support. How do you see the affordability playing out in the coming months? You know, the leading up to the Inflation Reduction Act, we're in a bit of an odd environment, right? I mean, cars are expensive and uh, there's a lot of profits being made by both the dealer side of the business as well as the OEMs. So in some cases, some of the the EV makers were taking prices because there's a shortage and people wanted something with wheels on it. And so that made them a bit more expensive. But, you know, when the Inflation Reduction Act passed, as as you mentioned, there were a bunch of cars on the market that suddenly, you know, they the the day before they had a $7,500 tax credit, the day after they didn't. So that's, you know, that's effectively a price increase that was uh, hard to deal with. 
Now, I think it was last week, the Department of Treasury issued uh, like a clarification on a, a pretty important point related to EVs. And that is, if an EV is being leased, the company that's leasing it can get the tax credit. They can get the full credit. And, you know, obviously that gives them the opportunity, especially if you think about a captive lease company for an automaker, they have the opportunity to pass that 7,500 on to the consumer. So, you know, the good thing about for our situation, we've got the tool belt. Uh, once the once the rules are clarified, we can go in, change some of the numbers in the tool and boom, you know, you can see what the pricing is for the cars with the credit, you know, now that we know that it's available in a, in a, in a lease and that will you know, change all the numbers again. So the other factor that's really positive for EVs is the experience of them. 89 out of 100. I know I hear from people all the time how much they love to drive uh, their EVs. And if they have a home charger, they love not going to the gas station. What's left to solve to get that last 11 points? Yeah, I think the remaining issues, and I'll confess, I'm, I'm an EV owner. I, I live in Tennessee, but and which is not a popular place to have an EV, but I finally made the plunge uh, a couple of months ago. The range issue, I mean, and the range wouldn't be an issue if it wasn't for the charging time, right? So, you know, I've got 300 miles of range, that's fine. The only trouble is if I have to stop and charge, I can't find a charger, or I can't charge fast enough. Same thing we're hearing from owners, that's really the remaining problem to be solved. And, it, and if that problem were solved, EVs would be better. You know, I mean, the experience is, is really better than a gasoline car, except for that issue. So, uh, and in particular, there's one thing I'm kind of a, I'm a, I'm an engineer and I'm kind of a car geek. So I, I've got this particular characteristic called drivability, which is the definition of that is that your foot on the pedal and the reaction of the car when, when you press the pedal and in the gasoline car between your foot and the pedal, you've got a, you know, an electric wire going to an electric throttle, which first goes through a computer that thinks about, well, he pressed the pedal, but, you know, we have to take the EPA requirements into account before we do what he told us to do. So we're going to make a decision and then we send uh, the signal to the throttle, the throttle lets more fuel into the car, the fuel gets burned, the engine comes to life. That pushes a, a hydraulic fan called the torque converter that blows uh, hydraulic fluid into a transmission. The transmission, you know, gets energized and then it has to decide which gear would the EPA like me to be in. So it decides what gear to go into. That takes time to shift. All that stuff takes a whole bunch of time. We're all used to it. Some cars are are really worse than others, but we're used to it and we tolerate it. Once you've driven an EV that has none of that, you know, you're, you press the pedal, it, it's uh, hundreds of a second later, the motor goes and there's the, nobody is telling the motor what to do except for you. That experience is really, really fantastic. So then there's the other end of the scale. Uh, adoption is particularly low, 22 out of 100. Market share is only about 5%. So, but adoption is more than market share. How do you calculate adoption and what's kind of holding that back? Well, the, the first thing we do, you know, the, the market share that you hear in the, the mainstream media, I guess, uh, is 7%, right? And 7% of the total vehicles sold are how many EVs are being sold in the United States. What we do to really understand the appetite for EVs is first we look at market coverage and we call that availability. So we look at, you know, here's the whole market. The market's made up of, 
you know, a certain percentage of pickup trucks and large SUVs, medium SUVs, et cetera, et cetera. There's all these different segments of the market. And we look at what people normally buy. And then we look at, is there an EV offered in that segment? And if it's, if it's offered, then we consider that segment covered. Today, only about 30% of the market is covered with an EV. So there's only 30% availability of an EV if somebody wants to buy one. Uh, you can't expect somebody to buy an EV. Like if, if somebody today, there is no EV minivan. If somebody needs a minivan and maybe they're interested in an EV, it doesn't matter. They can't get an EV minivan because it doesn't exist. So we use as the denominator for adoption, the actual market coverage. So uh, like you said, let's say today there's 22% adoption. That is 22% of the 30% that is available in. And that turns into the 7% that, you know, is more commonly stated. But if you want to understand, do people buy them when they have the op or a legitimate opportunity, that's really the right way to think about it. And 20% is pretty high when you think, you know, you think about it, right? Yeah, that's interesting. So to round out the list, interest and availability are still pretty low, but up quite a bit as more mainstream models, more midsize and compact crossovers have come to market. Uh, but the infrastructure score is actually down, even though there's all this federal money going toward adding chargers. What's going on there? The trouble is, I mean, it's a it's a good problem or it's a bad problem. The, the growth of sales of EV has really taken off in the last year. So last year, the EV park grew by 46% and the number of chargers grew by 26%. So... It's just not keeping up. And even though the money is announced, the, the chargers aren't in place. And then on top of that, there's a problem that needs to be solved, which is the chargers are not reliable. In our, in our latest data from consumers trying to use public chargers, 21% of the people said that when they went to a public charger, it was not functioning. They couldn't charge. So even, even with the 26% increase, you know, a lot of those are, don't work. It's almost a wash. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on uh, on your EV index and uh, keep in touch with uh, you and everyone else at JD Power as those uh, three years unfold. Doug Betts, president of the auto division at JD Power. Thanks again for joining me today. Thanks for having me. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own John Hutter, Jerry Hirsch, Karn Dingra, Hans Greimel, and Automotive News Europe's Peter Segal for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on electrification, innovation in tech, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with Mike Burgess, Chief Marketing Officer at Poly, on the growing trend of consumers buying auto insurance as part of the car buying process. If you enjoyed the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.